Hello and welcome to Middle of the Dial, the music podcast for the entertainment website Middle of the Row. I'm Jonathan Rahul, and today I'm featuring an interview with Eric Budden, the lead singer and songwriter for the band Dollar Signs. The self-described student loan core band will release their second album, This Will Haunt Me, on AF Records this Friday. We talked about the formation of the band and the tension between having a normal job and playing in a punk band. We also talked about the process of recording the new album and will feature the song Waste My Life Away. So without further ado, here's my interview with Eric Budden. One of the things that I loved about your band once I was sent uh, your music was how much you guys talk about being in a band and what that means to you and what place that has in your life. There's not a lot of music, or there's not a lot of groups, at least that I listen to, that talk about uh, what that process is like for the artist. So for people who don't know you and people who haven't listened to you before, I just want to get from you guys. Um, talk about how Dollar Signs formed and uh, what did that come out of and sort of describe the origins of the band, if you will. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so I'll try and do the abbreviated version. Uh, basically, Dollar Signs started as... Um, we, were, we kind of started as a recording project more than an actual band, um, it was basically just me and the now trumpet and keys player, uh, Luke Gunn. Um, we would just basically get together, and uh, I would write songs, and he would add extra instrumentation to them. And then we would I mean, we would play shows sometimes, but it really started as just me recording songs uh, in this like extra room in my brother's house when I was living with him. Um, and then eventually we got asked to like go on tours with like anti-folk artists from New York City and like just like small things like that. And um, I felt like we kind of pushed the, uh, the like just doing acoustic music thing as far as I kind of wanted to. Um, and so I asked uh, my friends Aaron Chamberlain and uh, Dylan Walkman to join the band. So Aaron plays drums and then uh, Dylan plays bass. So then we became like a full, uh, like a full band thing. And then eventually uh, our other guitar player, Tommy joined us just by being a friend in another band that we liked. Um, and so we kind of evolved from being like this uh, folk punk, like two piece duo into a sort of pop punk band that we are now. And that's like the super abbreviated version of, the, of our origin stories. Gotcha. What was that transition like going from that, uh, like you were saying, just like an acoustic duo or anti folk kind of act to a more traditional like punk rock uh, group? What was. Uh, did you find the reception was still like pretty high or did you find that you almost had to like rebrand your guys and kind of like push out that new sort of sound or what was that like? Um, I think that it, like it, it was all, like, it all felt pretty natural and the way that we always wrote songs, I mean, even when we were a two piece acoustic thing, um, I was maybe not the best. I'm still a pretty o only okay guitar player, but back then I was just kind of figuring things out. But I think that even when we were acoustic, like the music lended itself to being electric. And of course there's like pros and cons to each. I think that it's a bit easier to like explain your band when you're just a full band. Um, but then of course the acoustic thing, the cool thing about that is when you go on tour, you can play literally anywhere because if they don't have a PA, it doesn't matter. You can just, you know, yell in someone's kitchen, um, which is nice. Uh, but, but overall I definitely prefer, it's much easier to write songs when you have more pieces and like more things you can play with as opposed to like just relying on lyrics and a guitar and, or like, you know, a ukulele or whatever like weird instrument Luke wanted to throw on a song. So do you feel like uh, the songwriting has 
progressed or I guess, like you said, become easier? What, how has that been different for you guys then uh, being a full on group, whether it comes to touring, like you said, or just recording and writing songs? How's that transition been different? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think that uh, for songwriting, it's, it's still been cool because I'm still the primary songwriter. Like usually what happens is I, I, I bring a song or like a part of a song or, you know, an idea to, to the group. And then we all kind of work. Like usually I have like 75% of something written and I give it to them and then they're like, Oh, this part's bad. Don't do that. And then they like make it, make it better. But I mean, the good thing is now is uh, before what I would do is I would write songs and I would just play them at open mics around town. And that's kind of how I would like workshop and like edit and like revise songs to make them better. Um, Whereas this, whereas now I can, you know, I can write a song that is four minutes long and then they're like, all right, well, you're going to cut out two of these verses. And then, and then, you know, it's, it's easier to tighten up the song, like a song when, you know, you're not just going off like audience play or like you just mm-hmm. thinking about it, but you have people that know what we're supposed to sound like, uh, kind of like help you edit it for like for me. That's awesome. That's, yeah. that's really cool to hear. So then how is that, um, how is that journey with you guys led to you guys are releasing your new record uh this will haunt me on af records like talk about how that whole connection got uh established yeah yeah and um and and it's kind of like transitions from the last question but like the other good thing about being in a full band is that uh it's nice that it's not just you know luke and i having to do everything now like dylan our bass player also does all the graphic design stuff for our band and uh, he also does all of the booking for our band um, and he's like he likes doing like the managerial stuff whereas like I'm terrible at that uh, he's like he, he likes you know getting in touch with people and doing all that stuff and, and because of that uh, he reached out to AF Records and we're just like hey we just recorded uh, this record and would you be interested in putting it out and so we sent them you know the rough original mixes of the record and then they said that they were they were interested and um we were, I mean, I, at least for me, I was a little bit nervous about signing to a label just because I felt like we've, we've been doing pretty well just doing it ourselves, but obviously like actually having resources and having help for once yeah. uh, has been pretty, pretty life-changing for us and not just like always feeling like we're, you know, just lost on an island somewhere. Um, like AF's been like really, really good to us. We got to like uh, meet Christo who runs it. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's been a really, really good experience. And like, they've, they've been excited about the record, uh, which is nice. Like it, it, it feels like they're also putting effort in towards it. So like, it, it's been really, really cool. How, uh, I imagine as you guys have been on tour, you've also been like working in some of those newer songs into your set. How have those been received along with the older stuff? Um, mostly like, I would say that, you know, it's all just different because, you know, on, on a good night, uh, you know, people want us to play songs they know just because I think part of our live show or a large part of our live show is people singing along and like, you know, kind of the crowd. I like to think of like the crowd as another member of the band because it makes it, you know, the show's more fun. So when we play new songs, it's not that like they're booing us or anything, but they're definitely like, like they just stand like they, they don't dance or anything because they're just standing there just trying to like absorb the songs, yeah. I guess. Um, so it's like, it's pros and cons. I mean, I like playing the new songs just because, you know, Yikes, our last full-length record came out in 2000, 
15, so we've been playing the songs for a long time now. So it's nice to like, you know, give give people something new and like get to play like new stuff. For sure. Now, so you guys have a tour coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, talk about that. Talk about how that came together. Talk about how you guys chose the bands uh, that are going on tour with you. Um, like th- th- this would, uh, like it, it was mostly not a question or like a, a thing that I can answer because it was mostly Dylan that, that put it together, gotcha. but it was, it, but, but for us, like our general strategy, when we book any tours, just like, all right, what bands do we like in, you know, these areas that we're going to, uh, this time it was just like, oh, it'd be fun to just pick, you know, one band in each area to like come with us for, for three or so days. Um, and then, you know, it, and it also gives us a chance to, like, hang out with friends that we don't get to see that often because they live, you know, like, Dead Bars lives on the Pacific Northwest, so we don't get to hang out with them much, but, like, we're all friends with them. So we were just like, all right, who would be fun to, like, go out on the road with? That's awesome that you guys kind of split that up geographically then. So you're bringing out, and again, like you said, you're you're taking your friends out on tour with you so that... It's like everyone who goes to the tour just because they live in one city, they're not going to get the same show that they did, say, if they were to go see you guys in Chicago or whatever. Like, right, if they were right. going to see you in Seattle, that's that's a really cool uh, aspect of it. Yeah. So then, uh, let's actually, let's also backtrack and let's talk about this sure. uh, this new record with This Will Haunt Me. Um, it's fucking fantastic. I love it. Oh, it's thanks. Uh, it's, thanks. A, it's amazing, both... Uh, sonically and lyrically, I love the, I love the lyrics that you write for this. Just, I wonder if you could put us in the headspace that you were in when you were writing the lyrics and just the music with the guys, and sort of just give us a walkthrough of how all of that worked out. Um, yeah. So this record, uh, to me, it like the record is, and and like you said about um, how it's kind of about about playing music, uh, and that was a big part of it, just because I feel like. Um, the band has reached a certain point and I feel like both the band and my job are kind of like these two defining things in my life that take up the vast majority of my time. And so it's kind of like trying to pick which road is going to get like, is that you can dedicate as much energy as possible to, um, of just like, I, I think that most people, you know, as they get older, they realize that like they probably need to choose the thing that they want to do. Um, and, you know, and, you know, like being in a band is something that I love doing, but it's also like, there's consequences to trying to like do that more. And then being, you know, working is like, I, I like my job fine, but also, uh, there's negative sides to that as well. of Just being, you know, maybe a little bit soul crushing sometimes. <laughs> I was, yeah. uh, I was watching a, it's, it's, crazy that you're uh, mentioning all this and bringing this up. I was watching an interview with Noah Gunderson and he talked about sort of when he first started doing music and uh, decided to like dedicate to it. Like he moved out of his parents. He said how he moved out of his parents' house when he was like 17. And mm-hmm. he said that he knew this was what he wanted to do. And he knew that if he had a backup plan, then he probably wouldn't end up pursuing sure. music. And so he kind of went all in on it. And sure. you, you sort of you've written about this also in uh, your song uh, "Punk on the Weekend," which the video also for that is incredible. Oh, um, so, th- how is that tension between, like you said, like you've got this job that 
uh, can be soul crushing at times, but is also pretty good. And then you've got this band that you've put a lot of your artistic and creative aspirations to. Yeah. How has that tension changed over the years, say, since you wrote Punk on the Weekend? Has it just gotten yeah. uh, more severe, more intense, or something that just kind of like sits in the back of your head? Or what's that like now? Yeah, I mean, like, I think that, um, you know, because I've been doing dollar signs, you know, I've been I've been making music under the name dollar signs for the nine year or almost nine years. So it's like, I think that as as it's gone forward, it's always started to mean different things. I think, you know, especially as I get into my late, late 20s, it's kind of like every everyone that started a band when we were, you know, coming up and being a band, most of them have most of those bands are all gone now. Um, so it just kind of feels like it's, it's been weird for us to become like the veterans in the scene. And I think the older you get, the harder it is to explain to your parents that you're in a band. And um, like basically anyone outside of the music scene definitely doesn't quite understand. Yeah. Um, like it's, I, I would say that it like, I mean, it's still, of course it's still fun, but maybe it's like, you know, it's really cool to be in a band when you're 22, but you know, being in a band when you're 28, it's it's just different. Like it's different going to going to house shows and being like severely older than everyone. Yeah, there. it's uh, it's kind of strange, I guess. Um, but you know, it's like uh, one of our uh, local bands that we kind of came up with. They just had their last show ever, and at that show, uh, I was just standing outside and I was listening to these two like 18 or 19 year old kids. Uh, talking about like who they thought was like posers in the scene and stuff like that and i'm just sitting there thinking like if you're still involved in punk rock over the age of 25 you're not a poser yeah. like it's just like anyone who's left is not a poser when it comes to like punk or whatever that's a that's a that's actually a great uh that's a great thought i was also i saw on twitter recently you know this oh man this girl who's recently gotten She's gotten a lot of attention on social media. She took like her graduate college graduation photos with like an AR fifteen or something uh-huh. like that, and so, so now she's now this new like poster child for like Second Amendment rights or whatever. Okay. Um, she recently tweeted out a photo or Instagrammed a photo of her like back when she was in high school. And it's like her with like a scene haircut and a white chapel shirt, yeah. <laughs> and and everyone like on Twitter is like freaking out and be like. Like how is this? How did this girl go from like one of the most inclusive, or at least like seemingly inclusive, sure. like genres at the time, sure, sure. to now being the super hardcore right wing kind of uh, activist? Um, yeah. So yeah, that was just an interesting comment. If you're still involved by 25, you're not a poser. You got you got some cred to it. Yeah. Um, I was wondering. So you kind of alluded to it. What was the scene in North Carolina like? Uh, for you guys coming up and then how's it changed over the years with you guys going from like uh, an up and coming band to now like the veterans in the scene? Um, I don't know. Like I, for us, it's, it's always been weird. Like I will say that, you know, one thing that we had back in the day that we don't have as much now is like, we used to have good DIY spots back in the day. Like uh, Dylan, again, our bass player, he used to run one and we used to help him. Like we used to run, you know, a DIY space out of this warehouse called Area 15. Um, and that's been no longer there. But, I mean, there's still bands. Like, I think good bands were back then, and we also have, like, a really good crop of bands in North Carolina now, too. I mean, um, us being older, it's, it's just it's just different. I think that, you know, a lot of times you make 
scenes, especially when you're younger, just by uh, going to shows, like always like trying to find other bands to play with. Um, whereas like for us, I kind of feel like nowadays we're kind of doing our own thing. Um, not to say that like I still don't have friends that are musicians in town or anything, because that's not really true. But like I would say the majority of our people that come and watch us play are people that I that I don't know and are like again like much 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 younger than us. Um, so like I think a lot of people worry about like oh well, like how do people in the scene see us yada yada yada. Whereas like for us, I think because of our music being you know maybe geared towards not so socially you know comfortable people. Uh, we kind of just bring out our, our own group of like you know weird kids like us, um, yeah. And so like anytime we play a show, a lot of times the club owners will just be like, "I don't, I've never seen any of these people before in my life." So I don't know. It's it's it's, it's weird, but it's fun. I, I like it now. It's it's a good time because everyone nowadays doesn't really like at least at our shows doesn't really care what other people are like, you know thinking when when they see them dancing and looking weird because like you know no one's gonna look weirder than our band looks on stage so who cares <laughs> i loved the uh so when i received the album uh uh the press release said uh they might look well oh, i forget the exact word they might look like guys who could like fix your computer yeah, yeah. rather than like rock out or something like yeah. that which is a which is a great description but also like i love that like you said it comes with it, its own kind of community and this idea that it really establishes this place where, yeah, kids or people can come and just feel safe to be themselves and uh, dance around and look weird with you. And uh, it's not a big deal. I thought that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, was there anything that you guys going into this record that you want to do differently or that you had like a goal to do compared to your uh, to your last record, Dykes? Um, yeah, well, uh, first of all, I mean, we, we recorded Life is Rough in the studio called Legit Biz in Greensboro, and so we definitely wanted to work with Chris, who runs that studio again, because he's just, like, a really, really good guy, and I feel like he probably spends most of his time, because this is North Carolina, recording, like, terrible metal bands, so he gets really <laughs> excited when, you know, a knot that comes through his door, <laughs> and, um, and, and for me, I always like adding a lot of bells and whistles, so I think... Just for us, we really tried to push the songs like and making them as dynamic as possible because this was the first time we've ever recorded with five people on the record. Because um, even our last EP, Life is Rough, there are extra guitar parts on there, but it was all done by me. Um, so it was just nice having Tommy in the band now who can like really push uh, guitar melodies and stuff like that. And you know, for me, I like I like writing full length records because there's so much. Um, like, there's so much more that you can explore, and I'm not really super interested in writing, like, standard punk songs. Like, I like getting weird with it, so I think that's what makes, you know, music fun. And, like, hopefully hopefully, on every song on the record sounds different enough where, like, nothing can really, you know, it's not like a record that you put on in, in the background of a party. Like, I want when people listen to it to, like, be able to engage with it actively. You know? When you can track that, I, I definitely got that sense of almost, like, the theme not just being able to track through the lyrics but through the sound as well especially like with the times that you slowed it down a little bit whether it was the title track or uh on uh the devil uh the devil wears flannel or whatever um uh which also like just to talk about one of the things that i was really impressed by and loved was this way that you were able to combine 
like this sarcasm and this like kind of dry humor, this wit while talking about some really serious stuff, whether it's like social anxiety or like considering again, that tension between like your real job and uh, playing in this band and what that future could hold or whether or not this will ever like amount to anything or like that sense of accomplishment. Um, what, oh shoot, what was it? How did you develop, oh, this is what I was going to ask. how did you develop that kind of voice or that tone? Because it's something that's really unique and that I loved hearing because being able to balance those two feelings and get the audience to feel those both at the same time, that's that's super impressive. So how'd you, how'd you develop that writing style? Um, uh, well, it's... <laughs> It's been, I would say that, like, the voice that I write in has been kind of, like, my, my life's mission. And, and I think, again, like, and this was probably the pro of starting the way that our band started, just because, you know, I don't have the best singing voice. And, like, especially when I started, I wasn't a great guitar player. And so the thing that I had to do well was write lyrics that would engage with people. And so, like, and I didn't start by playing, like, there is no open mic for, like, punk kids. So, like... I guess I was always trying to write from the perspective of like trying to explain this world that I live in to people that don't really live in that world. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the, the voice is also just like, I feel like that that's also just like the way that I am of just like, I, I, I think that I'm prone to unluckiness and bad things happening to me, but it's never like, it's always a little bit funny when bad things happen to me. So I try to communicate that, just because, like, you know, I don't think the world needs another, like, straight white man complaining about, like, girls not liking him. Like, I mean, who, who gives a fuck at this point? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I think that people hopefully probably connect more of just, like, you know, everyone has problems. Like, let's all get in a sweaty pile and yell about it. I think that that, that just, like, speaks more to me. That's why I like punk rock music in general. Well, and that intention is like drenched through the album, which I love too, because it creates a, you can, you can feel the catharsis that it was for you guys while at the same time, uh, like taking part in that catharsis almost at the same time, which I think is really cool when you can bridge that gap between the uh, listener and the creator. So yeah, thanks. Uh, hands off to you. Oh, thank you. Um, let's talk about the, uh, let's talk about the video, uh, mm-hmm. for waste my life away. Um, First of all, fucking hilarious, too. (laughs) Just amazing. Talk about sort of uh, how you guys came up with that idea and what what it was like to shoot that in uh, Las Vegas. And for people who haven't seen it, uh, just describe it real briefly, too, if you could. Sure. So the music video is about uh, our band as puppets um, in Las Vegas and just kind of like hangover i get like hangover style i guess just like the crazy antics that we get into um i'm not even sure how else to describe that but basically just like the more fun you have uh the more danger you put yourself in was basically what the video is about and um that came about uh it's basically just like i always try and think about what resources i have around me and like what i what i can do just because we never have any money uh, so I always just think about like, all right, well, what can I do that? Like, what do I have access to that people I, around me don't have access to? So for this instance, a comedian friend of mine named Jake Stewart, he was moving to Los Angeles and, um, he grew up in the, what is it? Uh, the Christian puppet ministry. 
his parents ran a Christian puppet ministry. And now, Interesting. Yeah, and now he's just a comedian. And uh, he, But he's a certified puppeteer, and he knows how to make puppets. So I was like, hey, will you make puppet versions of everyone in our band? And so uh, he did that, or he made three of them. And then Luke, our horn player and our other keyboard or whatever player, he made the other two. Um, and so Luke was living in Los Angeles at the time, and Jake had just moved out there. And then I got hired to work in Las Vegas. So I was like, let's just – so I just paid Jake and Luke to drive up to Las Vegas. And I was like, okay, so I have to work tomorrow. What can we film in 12 hours? <laughs> <laughs> so I basically wrote the scripts for the video like on the airplane there. And then uh, I landed – and then over the course of twenty like twenty four hours, we shot that music video, um, except for the Grand Canyon part, which happened the next time I went to Las Vegas because we just landed and then drove to the Grand Canyon to shoot that to shoot that bit um, and the Hoover Dam or all that jazz. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really crazy day. So the reason why you never see the puppets all together except for that one part is because there was only three of us and. We didn't have the fifth hand to do all five of us together. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, oh, so it was even like, so two people were like manning. Yeah, like exactly. Two, yeah. Four puppets. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, and the best part was, was just like, as I was flying there, I was like, oh man, we're going to get like kicked out of everywhere. Like everyone's not going to be cool with this. But then you realize that Las Vegas, just like nobody gives shit at all. Like, no one, I mean, there's so much weird, like, everyone is just so strange in Las Vegas that, like, no one even, like, bats an eye if you have, you know, a puppet walking around. Like, I mean, it was the middle of March, I think, when we filmed it, and it was, you know, you see people in, like, Santa costumes and, like, stuff like that, and, you know, so puppets are pretty, pretty normal compared to most of the other shit you see in Las Vegas. That's, that's awesome. One thing I love about that is it kind of continues that a streak of uh, DIYness that you guys have had with your previous videos too, which I also love um, as like, a, and I love that you are, you are very ingrained in that creative process. What's, what's it like to put that hat on? Um, so not just as a singer songwriter, uh, musical artist, but then to creating your music videos, what's that process like for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's, it's cool because, uh, so basically my, my, I work for a video production company. Um, and I would say that like filmmaking was always kind of like my first love. And then I kind of fell into music and that happened a little bit later. Um, but I, it's, it's hard to make movies. Making movies is like much harder than just sitting out with a guitar and writing songs. So I don't really get to make movies outside of my job very, very often. Um, so it's nice to be able to like flex that muscle. I mean, even if, even though it's still for the band, it's a lot easier for me to film music videos for the band than it is to uh, make anything else that I would like to. So it's just it's good to like keep myself sharp and like flex that that creative muscle, um, as opposed to you know I don't know like like writing songs is very different. It's very personal, I think. Whereas like making the music videos, I get to just like have fun, you know. Yeah, for sure. How'd you, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how'd you get into video production and like making videos and that kind of thing? Sure. So, I mean, I've been making videos and like short films with my friends since I was like 11 years old. And then I went to college and uh, I got a, my, mat, or my, uh, my, my degree was in English, but I minored in film studies. And so I started working at PBS 
Uh, and then the PBS studio, or like I got an internship at PBS, and then they eventually hired me. And um, then that PBS studio got bought by another company and fired everyone that worked there. And so those people started their own production companies. Then one of those guys like hired me to just work for them and be a, a film editor. So I've been doing that for the past couple of years. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Cool. So, and uh, like, it's cool that then you can, like you said, flex that, but within, I imagine a much more fun context when it's making videos for your band than I guess some of the stuff that you have to do for your job. Sometimes (laughs) we get to do cool stuff for my job, but usually it's just like, you know, how to, they're like commercials for tires and, you know, stuff that's maybe not, not quite as sexy. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna at this point we're gonna I'll plug in and I'll play uh, "Waste My Life sure. Away." Um, I was wondering if you want if there was anything specifically that you'd want to talk about this song specifically around the recording uh-huh. of it or just the writing of it. Sure. Um, so this song "Waste My Life Away" it was written kind of the way that I used to write songs. Um, I MC an open mic in town called the Find- Finding Muse Open Mic at the Evening Muse. Uh, in Charlotte that happens on Mondays and uh, we started kind of like a songwriter circle that kind of quickly dissolved just because that's the way those things always go but uh, my friend did the first prompt and it was supposed to be like write a song about an apology and so I was just trying to think of like an extreme way to apologize slash some other things that happened but so like that that song kind of came out of this just like songwriter circle thing so in this instance Besides that synth solo part, most of the song was like pretty much constructed and written and then just given to the band and we just made it louder. Very nice. Yeah. Cool. So uh, let's go ahead and take a listen to Waste My Life Away. So don't you waste your time on me I like to waste my life away So don't you waste your time on me I like to waste my life away So don't you waste your time on me I like to waste my life away 
Okay, so you guys, uh, you guys are kind of in the middle of a tour. Uh, the summertime, uh, gosh, was it called again? Sorry, I had it up a second. The ago. summertime, I, I don't even remember the name of it. Been, oh yeah, the summertime <laughs> Radmus store. Yeah, the summertime Radmus store, and like you said, you're kind of you're hitting up <laughs> a bunch of different spots in the U.S. and you're bringing along or playing with different bands based on the area. Yeah. What do you guys after the record comes out next week? Um, what do you got? Do you guys have any big touring plans coming up after that? Um, so we basically just have the touring, uh, yeah, like, like we have the big summer tour. Then after that, it's going to kind of depend on what, what we want to do. Cause we're playing fest this year. And so our plan is we're talking to a few of our friends about doing a tour after fest. And so basically just probably going back up North, uh, like out of fest and, and probably go all the way to like Boston or something like that. But try try and find like a band that's hopefully a little bit bigger than us to go on tour with. Hopefully we can scam someone into letting us do that. <laughs> Very nice. What uh you and you guys played fest last year. What was that experience like? Uh, it was great. We it was it was funny because everyone in my band except for me wakes up at like four o'clock in the afternoon. We had to play at I think twelve thirty or something. And uh, so it was interesting trying to convince everyone in my band to not get really drunk the night before we played. Um, but, what was, but what was great about that was just the fact that Tommy, our other guitar player, he drank too much iced coffee that morning, and he threw up on stage. Like, as the last note of the last song played, he <laughs> threw up everywhere, which is pretty... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, pretty great. But, but, what was, but what was great about that, too, is everyone was just like, oh, yeah, like, man, he must have gone crazy, like, drinking and, like, partying last night. And Tommy, at that moment, had not had alcohol in, like, four months. It was just like, nope, he just drank too much iced coffee, and it was hot outside. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. That's a, a very fitting way to cap your set. Yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> Um, all right. So I've got, uh, I got some questions here that have been suggested to me on the regular, uh, podcast that we do for the website. Um, I do it with four other people and one of them, Lauren, uh, has suggested some of these questions. Um, it's what I like to call the rapid fire round. Okay. So short burst questions. Um, usually either or not all the time okay. though, just try to off the spur, spur of the moment, top of your head, try to answer. Oh God. Okay. Hand. Yeah. Cool. cool. <laughs> all right. And they're, they're like not, I mean, well, some of them, I guess are, uh, they're, they're mostly low. Okay. So, uh, let's, uh, yeah. So let's just go through yeah. it. This is the rapid fire. Yeah, let's do it. Um, question one, backstreet boys are in sync. Back, this is a tough backstreet one. boys. Wait, seriously? Really? Yeah. You're gonna have to elaborate on that one the, now. The actually. dark horse. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, I, I because I only had an, a, a, uh, an older brother, and our basically our only exposure to music was classic rock that my dad listened to. So really, my only exposure to either one of those bands was like my cousin who was uh, just super into the Backstreet Boys. So that's that's why I had to say that one. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Chipotle or Qdoba? Qdoba. Nowadays. <laughs> Uh, any, uh, nowadays, any, any change then from the past then or any specific reason? I mean, have you been to Kidova lately? They've stepped up their game. Their queso is insane. It's also closer to my office. So I eat at Kidova like three times a week. (laughs) Fair enough. I, I, I remember, uh, I remember having to argue with some of my, uh, students. I'm a high school teacher about 
Qdoba being better because of queso specifically. Yeah, yeah. Chipotle has shit queso. Um, all right, you question three. What is your pre-show ritual? Um, there's this. <laughs> There's this there, there's this David Lynch song called uh, Have a Good Day Today that we, if we're in the van and we're pulling up to a venue, we always listen to that song because it just gives, it just gets us in a good mood and ready, ready to play. Besides that, it's just me like sweating a lot. <laughs> David Lynch, Have a Good Day. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome. Um, what was the question one to four? What was the easiest song to write on This Will Haunt Me? Oh, the easiest song. Ugh. Um, probably, oh man, I feel like they're maybe Waste My Life Away or, uh, hmm, I don't know. They, they were all kind of tricky. Oh, uh, the second song on the record, Till Death. I feel like that one, um, I rewrote the chorus. Then after that, I was like, all right, this is the song. This is it. Yeah, I think, yeah, nice. yeah, that, that was easier, I think. Uh, and then on the flip side, what was the hardest song to write on This Will Haunt Me? Um, the hardest song, the hardest song was The Devil, that's, or like, uh, The Devil Wears Flannel, because that song was written actually shortly after Yikes was done. Uh, I've had that song forever, and I could, like, never convince the band to make that a full dollar sign song, because it's just, like, so impossibly strange. So I just like kept tweaking and like kept working on that song for like three years before we were like, all right, this is, all right, we can we can do this, I guess. It's it's a it, it's gonna be controversial. Go ahead. I think that, <laughs> I think that there's <laughs> people who that will, will love that song and that will be their favorite song, and there's definitely people who will hate our band because of that song. <laughs> That's fine. I think, uh, but I think thematically, like you've got a lot of key changes and a lot of style changes. <laughs> But they fit with the theme and they fit with like the message that you get across real well in it. So I I think it's oh, awesome. Thanks. I think it's a great yeah. song. Um, who is question one, two, three, <laughs> four, five? I keep listening. I should really number these I, questions. Uh, who is the best hygiene in dollar signs? Oh, uh, Dylan for sure. Like Dylan won't eat ice cream after anyone else. Like if, if someone else has put their spoon in ice cream, he will not eat it. He's very very scared of getting food poisoning whereas it, me and luke and even tommy but definitely me and luke are just like we're gonna get food poisoning once a year that's just the way it is <laughs> so that gets to my next would you say you guys have the worst hygiene in the band then uh yeah yeah i don't know i mean like really i would say all of us in the band are fairly clean people but yeah pro- probably either luke and i and, and definitely for me it's just like I think I get really, really busy, so you know things fall to the wayside sometimes. Yeah, and it's almost like one of those things where like, I can't grow a beard, but I can like I have like the facial hair of like a fourteen-year-old boy. So I'll usually go like weeks without shaving, and then by the end of it, I just look like a pervert or something. Oh no! Yeah, so I probably was hygiene. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, uh, question whatever. Um, who is your biggest current influence slash recommendation that you would have for people right now? Like something that you're listening to or, yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, Let, let's keep it, let's say musically. I'll, let's say musically. Yeah, yeah, biggest inspiration. Um, I think that, maybe not super, super currently, but um, I think that Open Mike Eagle, the hip-hop artist, has been really like, like that, that guy kind of like changed the way that I like to write songs now. 
of just like just how fun his wordplay is. It's pretty pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I've been really 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 into him. Um, and then besides that, just listen to Tom Waits. Tom. <laughs> yeah. Would you would you say that's probably the most surprising influence that I get that people would be shocked to hear for you guys or who would you say would be the most surprising? Maybe I mean yeah I, I think that uh, people probably don't understand when I say that like uh, our music is like very inspired by hip hop music, uh, but the way that I like write lyrics I think is of just like the way that hip hop oftentimes is like in the first verse you tell a joke and then in the and then the chorus happens and then the second verse you get more serious and then the second verse being more serious changed the context of the chorus like that's a very big reoccurring thing in hip-hop and i like to use that a lot when i write songs um and then like yeah so probably that i mean i think that people could probably hear the time which just because i like croning a lot and just like yelling like an insane person Have you ever seen that uh that interview with him on like Australian TV? Like it's said to be like the interview that kind of inspired Heath oh, yeah, Ledger yeah. during his like, dark, and he's like writhing around and yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's uh, great. Classic Tom Waits. Yeah. Um, and then the last question, and this is a unique one because you ragged on Avatar during the album, yeah. so I have to ask you, what is the latest movie that like like physically or mentally made you angry that you saw recently? Oh. Or that really just frustrated Oh, my God. Um, There's this movie on Netflix. It's a horror film called Open House that is terrible. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Don't watch it. It's really, really bad. It's one of those things where it's like in the – they were kind of going for the strangers thing where it's like, oh, and at the end, like, it didn't matter who it was. Like, there's no motivation. But the problem is that, like, you literally – like, the character that was the murderer – I'm going to spoil it because I hate this movie – the character, like, <laughs> the whole it. time, it was like, oh, who done it? Yada, yada, yada. And then it ended up just being some guy that we never saw the rest of the movie. And so, like, I was I was folding laundry as I was watching this film, and I threw a T-shirt at the TV and just screamed, fuck <laughs> you, just by myself, like a crazy person. But yeah, that, that movie nice. was all, yeah, that movie was terrible. Open House, you said? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's called Open House. Does that have... Does that also have the kid from 13 Reasons Why? Oh, I think it might, actually. I never saw 13 Reasons Why, but I think it does. He's, he, he's also, uh, he, was, he was also in Lost a long time ago. Right. He was like Jack's son. Right, right. Maybe. My, um, my, my, I, I have, like, face blindness for the actors. No, you're good. Um, side yeah. note. That kid's that kid's in an indie band, like an indie pop band out of Los Angeles. Oh. Uh yeah, they're called like Wallows, and they just played like James Corden or something, uh, like the Late Late yeah, Show. Yeah. Pretty decent, actually. Oh. Like it's been on my rotation recently. So he might do a shit movie, but he's a pretty good All like right, yeah. indie pop vocalist. Sick. I hope I can play with him one day. I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout out to Wallows. Wallows. You should take dollar signs out on I'll, tour. I'll look them up after this. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's gonna be that's it for me, cool. man. Uh, where can people follow you and your band to get more information about tours, music, all that jazz? Um, we've hopefully made it pretty easy. I think always the best way to, to see us is on Facebook or Twitter. Just search Dollar Signs the Band. We'll come up. Um, we're on Spotify, Bandcamp, and all that jazz. And we're on Instagram. I don't think we use that much, but yeah, we're we're, we're around. You can you, you can hit us up. You can shoot us a fax if you want. 
And where and what number can they fax to you? <laughs> I was lying. I was just lying. <laughs> Should do that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, this will haunt me. Is coming out on AF Records, and it's coming out when again? Uh, next Friday. Yeah, J- July thirteenth. July thirteenth. Perfect. Uh, Eric, it's been a blast. Thanks yeah, so thank much, you. man. This was fun. Again, my very special thanks to Eric Budden of Dollar Signs for taking the time to talk with me about their new album, This Will Haunt Me. It's out this Friday on AF Records. It's fantastic, so be sure to check it out. Be sure to check out Dollar Signs on the second half of their Summertime Radness Tour. That's going to do it for this episode of Middle of the Dial. I'm Jonathan Rahul. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at AnotherRahulJ, and make sure to follow our website on Twitter at middle of row or just check us out on our website at www.middleofrow.com and remember the best songs are in the middle of the dial